Alma chapter 30. Now we have reached the 16th year of the reign of the judges, or 76 B.C. The worst war in the entire history of the Nephites had finally ended, and all of the Lamanite invaders who came up from the land of Nephi to completely annihilate the Nephites, particularly the anti-Nephi-Lehites, had either been killed or driven back down to their own land. The wonderful Lamanite converts, who were now called the children of Ammon, were saved, but at the cost of thousands of Nephite lives. Behold, now it came to pass that after the people of Ammon were established in the land of Jershon, yea, and also after the Lamanites were driven out of the land, and their dead were buried by the people of the land. Now their dead were not numbered, because of the greatness of their numbers, neither were the dead of the Nephites numbered. But it came to pass, after they had buried their dead, and also after the days of fasting and mourning and prayer, and it was in the sixteenth year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi, there began to be continual peace throughout all the land. It says the terrible loss of life among the Nephites had caused them to turn more to prayer and fasting along with their mourning. They also adhered more closely to the ordinances of the law of Moses which pointed toward Christ. This would include circumcision, offering animal sacrifices, and honoring the sacred memorial days preparing the people for the coming of Christ. Yea, and the people did observe to keep the commandments of the Lord, and they were strict in observing the ordinances of God according to the law of Moses. For they were taught to keep the law of Moses until it should be fulfilled. And thus the people did have no disturbance in all the sixteenth year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi. And it came to pass in the seventeenth year of the reign of the judges there was continual peace. After nearly two whole years of peace, one of Satan's most eloquent servants suddenly appeared among the Nephites. But it came to pass in the latter end of the seventeenth year there came a man into the land of Zarahemla, and he was anti-Christ. For he began to preach unto the people against the prophecies which had been spoken by the prophets concerning the coming of Christ. Now there was no law against a man's belief, for it was strictly contrary to the commands of God that there should be a law which should bring men onto unequal grounds. For thus saith the Scripture, Choose ye this day whom ye will serve. Now if a man desired to serve God, it was his privilege, or rather, if he believed in God, it was his privilege to serve him. But if he did not believe in him, there was no law to punish him. But if he murdered, he was punished unto death. And if he robbed, he was also punished. And if he stole, he was also punished. And if he committed adultery, he was also punished. Yea, for all this wickedness they were punished. For there was a law that men should be judged according to their crimes. Nevertheless, there was no law against a man's belief. Therefore a man was punished only for the crimes which he had done. Therefore all men were on equal grounds. At this point it was shocking to have someone, as evil as the disgraced and executed Nehor, suddenly come among the members of the church for the specific purpose of destroying their faith. Alma wanted to explain how their law allowed complete freedom of speech so far as beliefs were concerned. 
But reprobates could not justify the criminal violations of the law by claiming these were merely exercising some of their personal beliefs. And this Antichrist, whose name was Korahor, and the law could have no hold upon him, began to preach unto the people that there should be no Christ. And after this manner did he preach, saying, We learn that the name of the Antichrist was Korihor, and he went forth among the Nephites to destroy their testimonies of the gospel and urge them to feel free to indulge themselves. He got away with this subversive activity by simply saying he was preaching his personal beliefs. However, he was actually pouring out propaganda to attack the whole foundation of the gospel. O ye that are bound down under a foolish and a vain hope, why do ye yoke yourselves with such foolish things? Why do ye look for a Christ? For no man can know of anything which is to come. Behold these things which ye call prophecies, which ye say are handed down by holy prophets. Behold, they are foolish traditions of your fathers. How do ye know of their surety? Behold, ye cannot know of things which ye do not see. Therefore ye cannot know that there shall be a Christ. Ye look forward and say that ye see a remission of your sins. But behold, it is the effect of a frenzied mind. And this derangement of your minds comes because of the traditions of your fathers, which lead you away into a belief of things which are not so. And many more such things did he say unto them telling them that there could be no atonement made for the sins of men. But every man fared in this life according to the management of the creature. Therefore every man prospered according to his genius, and that every man conquered according to his strength. And whatsoever a man did was no crime, and thus he did preach unto them leading away the hearts of many, causing them to lift up their heads in their wickedness, yea, leading away many women and also men to commit whoredoms, telling them that when a man was dead, that was the end thereof. The amazing thing about this tirade of lies and propaganda was the fact that he began to make many converts, even among the congregations which Alma had worked so diligently to build up. Korihor's teachings, like those of Nehor, tore down the moral and religious restrictions among the people so that they went back to indulging in the abominations which Alma and the church leaders had tried to eliminate. Between verses 12 and 18, Korihor denounced the teachings of the gospel in nine different ways. He said, 1. The coming of Christ is a myth. 2. Prophecy is a scheme to deceive the people. 3. It is ridiculous to expect forgiveness of sins through the atonement of a Christ. 4. The gospel teachings are the product of a frenzied mind. 5. God is not involved in human affairs. 6. Each person prospers according to his own genius. 7. Each person conquers according to his own strength. 8. There is no such thing as a crime for which people should be punished. And nine, there is no such thing as life after death. Now this man went over to the land of Jershon also, to preach these things among the people of Ammon, who were once the people of the Lamanites. 
Having gained considerable success among the main body of Nephites, Korihor decided to proselyte among the former anti-Nephi-Lehites, who had become known as the people of Ammon. But Korihor had a major surprise awaiting him. But behold, they were more wise than many of the Nephites, for they took him and bound him and carried him before Ammon, who was a high priest over that people. And it came to pass that he caused that he should be carried out of the land. And he came over into the land of Gideon, and began to preach unto them also. And here he did not have much success, for he was taken and bound and carried before the high priest, and also the chief judge over the land. And it came to pass that the high priest said unto him, Why do ye go about perverting the ways of the Lord? Why do ye teach this people that there shall be no Christ to interrupt their rejoicings? Why do ye speak against all the prophecies of the holy prophets? This was the second time Korihor had been rejected by a body of Christian Nephites. And when the high priest at Gideon challenged him, Korihor repeated the same line of propaganda he had used successfully in Zarahemla. Now the high priest's name was Gidona, and Korihor said unto him, Because I do not teach the foolish traditions of your fathers, and because I do not teach this people to bind themselves down under the foolish ordinances and performances which are laid down by ancient priests, to usurp power and authority over them, to keep them in ignorance that they may not lift up their heads, but be brought down according to thy words. Ye say that this people is a free people. Behold, I say, they are in bondage. Ye say that those ancient prophecies are true. Behold, I say, that ye do not know that they are true. Ye say that this people is a guilty and a fallen people because of the transgression of a parent. Behold, I say that a child is not guilty because of its parents. We notice that Korihor has added a doctrinal attack against the idea of the fall of man through the transgression of Adam and Eve. And ye also say that Christ shall come. But behold... I say that ye do not know that there shall be a Christ. And ye say also that he shall be slain for the sins of the world. And thus ye lead away this people after the foolish traditions of your fathers, and according to your own desires. And ye keep them down, even as it were in bondage, that ye may glut yourselves with the labors of their hands, that they durst not look up with boldness, and that they durst not enjoy their rights and privileges. Korihor now adds the charge that the leaders of the church have put the people in bondage and are glutting themselves on the labors of the people. Furthermore, he said the people were being deceived by stories about visions and pretended mysteries. Yea, they durst not make use of that which is their own, lest they should offend their priests who do yoke them according to their desires, and have brought them to believe by their traditions and their dreams and their whims and their visions and their pretended mysteries, that they should, if they did not do according to their words, offend some unknown being, who they say is God, a being who never has been seen or known, who never was nor ever will be. 
Now when the high priest and the chief judge saw the hardness of his heart, yea, when they saw that he would revile even against God, they would not make any reply to his words. But they caused that he should be bound, and they delivered him up into the hands of the officers and sent him to the land of Zarahemla, that he might be brought before Alma and the chief judge who was governor over all the land. And it came to pass that when he was brought before Alma and the chief judge, he did go on in the same manner as he did in the land of Gideon. Yea, he went on to blaspheme, and he did rise up in great swelling words before Alma, and did revile against the priests and teachers, accusing them of leading away the people after the silly traditions of their fathers, for the sake of glutting on the labors of the people. Corihor's propaganda scheme was to repeat the big lie about the people being in bondage to the leaders of the church, who were glutting themselves on the labors of the people. Alma was incensed by this ridiculous lie. Now Alma said unto him, Thou knowest that we do not glut ourselves upon the labors of this people. For behold, I have labored even from the commencement of the reign of the judges until now with mine own hands for my support. Notwithstanding my many travels round about the land to declare the word of God unto my people, and notwithstanding the many labors which I have performed in the church, I have never received so much as even one senine for my labor. Neither has any of my brethren, save it were in the judgment seat, and then we have received only according to law for our time. And now, if we do not receive anything for our labors in the church, what doth it profit us to labor in the church, save it were to declare the truth, that we may have rejoicings in the joy of our brethren? Then why sayest thou that we preach unto this people to get gain, when thou of thyself knowest that we receive no gain? And now believest thou that we deceive this people that causes such joy in their hearts? And Korahor answered him, Yea. Now Alma decided to take the offensive and require Korahor to provide proof for his outrageous teachings. And then Alma said unto him, Believest thou that there is a God? And he answered, Nay. Now Alma said unto him, Will ye deny again that there is a God, and also deny the Christ? For behold, I say unto you, I know there is a God, and also that Christ shall come. And now what evidence have ye that there is no God, or that Christ cometh not? I say unto you that ye have none, save it be your word only. But behold, I have all things as a testimony that these things are true, and ye also have all things as a testimony unto you that they are true. And will ye deny them? Believest thou that these things are true? Behold, I know that thou believest, but thou art possessed with a lying spirit and ye have put off the Spirit of God, that it may have no place in you. But the devil has power over you, and he doth carry you about, working devices that he may destroy the children of God. At this point, Korahor was overwhelmed because he felt Alma was pinning him against the wall. 
He felt such a spirit of desperation that he demanded a sign. He couldn't have made a bigger mistake. And now Korahor said unto Alma, If thou wilt show me a sign, that I may be convinced that there is a God, yea, show unto me that he hath power, and then will I be convinced of the truth of thy words. But Alma said unto him, Thou hast had signs enough. Will ye tempt your God? Will ye say, Show unto me a sign, when ye have the testimony of all these thy brethren, and also all the holy prophets? The scriptures are laid before thee, yea, and all things denote there is a God, yea, even the earth, and all things that are upon the face of it, yea, and its motion, yea, and also all the planets which move in their regular form, do witness that there is a supreme Creator, and yet do ye go about leading away the hearts of this people, testifying unto them there is no God, and yet will ye deny against all these witnesses? And he said, Yea, I will deny, except ye shall show me a sign. At this point the spirit must have been whispering to Alma that the Lord would give Korahor a sign. Alma even knew what the sign would be. And now it came to pass that Alma said unto him, Behold, I am grieved because of the hardness of your heart. Yea, that ye will still resist the spirit of the truth, that thy soul may be destroyed. But behold, it is better that thy soul should be lost, than that thou shouldst be the means of bringing many souls down to destruction by thy lying and by thy flattering words. Therefore, if thou shalt deny again, behold, God shall smite thee, that thou shalt become dumb that thou shalt never open thy mouth any more, that thou shalt not deceive this people any more. Now Korahor said unto him, I do not deny the existence of a God, but I do not believe that there is a God. And I say also that ye do not know that there is a God, and except ye show me a sign, I will not believe. The power of God was upon Alma, so he prepared to pronounce judgment on Korihor. Now Alma said unto him, This will I give unto thee for a sign, that thou shalt be struck dumb according to my words. And I say that in the name of God ye shall be struck dumb, that ye shall no more have utterance. Now when Alma had said these words, Korihor was struck dumb, that he could not have utterance, according to the words of Alma. When the chief judge saw what was happening, he immediately took over. It says, And now when the chief judge saw this, he put forth his hand and wrote unto Korahor, saying, Art thou convinced of the power of God? In whom did ye desire that Alma should show forth his sign? Would ye that he should afflict others to show unto thee a sign? Behold, he has showed unto you a sign, and now will ye dispute more? And Korahor put forth his hand and wrote, saying, I know that I am dumb, for I cannot speak, and I know that nothing save it were the power of God could bring this upon me. 
Yea, and I also knew that there was a God. But behold, the devil hath deceived me. For he appeared unto me in the form of an angel, and said unto me, Go and reclaim this people, for they have all gone astray after an unknown God. And he said unto me, There is no God. Yea, and he taught me that which I should say, and I have taught his words, and I taught them because they were pleasing unto the carnal mind, and I taught them even until I had much success, insomuch that I verily believed that they were true. And for this cause I withstood the truth, even until I have brought this great curse upon me. After Korahor confessed that his entire ministry was based on lies taught to him by the devil, he pleaded with Alma to lift the curse from him. Now when he had said this, he besought that Alma should pray unto God that the curse might be taken from him. But Alma said unto him, If this curse should be taken from thee, thou wouldst again lead away the hearts of this people. Therefore it shall be unto thee, even as the Lord will. And it came to pass that the curse was not taken off of Korahor, but he was cast out and went about from house to house begging for his food. It is interesting that the proud, arrogant Korihor had a fickle character, and the spirit whispered to Alma that if the curse were lifted from Korihor, he would not be able to resist the temptation to teach Satan's lies again. Now the knowledge of what had happened unto Korihor was immediately published throughout all the land. Yea, the proclamation was sent forth by the chief judge to all the people in the land, declaring unto those who had believed in the words of Korihor, that they must speedily repent, lest the same judgments would come unto them. And it came to pass that they were all convinced of the wickedness of Korahor. Therefore they were all converted again unto the Lord. And this put an end to the iniquity after the manner of Korahor. And Korahor did go about from house to house, begging food for his support. It is rather amazing that the seductive and wicked lifestyle of immorality which Korihor had promoted among his followers suddenly went out of fashion with the proclamation of the chief judge which exposed Korihor's hypocrisy. Alma had the satisfaction of seeing many of his lost sheep rapidly returning to the fold. And it came to pass that as he went forth among the people, Yea, among a people who had separated themselves from the Nephites and called themselves Zoramites, being led by a man whose name was Zoram. And as he went forth amongst them, behold, he was run upon and trodden down, even until he was dead. However, there was one large group of apostates who did not return. They were the followers of a man named Zoram. When Korihor wandered among these Zoramites begging for food, he was mobbed and stomped to death. And thus we see the end of him who perverted the ways of the Lord. And thus we see that the devil will not support his children at the last day, but doth speedily drag them down to hell. An editorial comment at the end of the chapter emphasizes once again that Satan abandons his followers in any type of crisis, and allows them to be speedily dragged down through the gates of hell. 
Alma chapter 31. It is amazing that Alma had barely gotten rid of Korihor and was just healing the breaches among the members of the church when word came to him that the Zoramites who had stomped Korihor to death were building up an apostate group as bad as Korihor's. Now it came to pass that after the end of Korihor, Alma, having received tidings that the Zoramites were perverting the ways of the Lord, and that Zoram, who was their leader, was leading the hearts of the people to bow down to dumb idols, his heart again began to sicken because of the iniquity of the people. For it was the cause of great sorrow to Alma to know of iniquity among his people. Therefore his heart was exceeding sorrowful because of the separation of the Zoramites from the Nephites. Now the Zoramites had gathered themselves together in a land which they called Antionum, which was east of the land of Zarahemla, which lay nearly bordering upon the seashore, which was south of the land of Jershon, which also bordered upon the wilderness south, which wilderness was full of the Lamanites. There was a very compelling reason why Alma feared the separation of the Zoramites from the Nephites. Now the Nephites greatly feared that the Zoramites would enter into a correspondence with the Lamanites, and that it would be the means of great loss on the part of the Nephites. Alma was convinced that the only remedy for this threatening development was a missionary campaign, and here was his reasoning. And now as the preaching of the word had a great tendency to lead the people to do that which was just, yea, it had had more powerful effect upon the minds of the people than the sword or anything else which had happened unto them, Therefore Alma thought it was expedient that they should try the virtue of the word of God. It is interesting how Alma organized his powerful missionary team. It undoubtedly represented the most powerful group of missionaries in the land. Therefore he took Ammon and Aaron and Omner, and Himni he did leave in the church in Zarahemla. But the former three he took with him, and also Amulek and Zizram, who were at Melech, and he also took two of his sons. Now the eldest of his sons he took not with him, and his name was Helaman. But the names of those whom he took with him were Shiblon and Corianton, and these are the names of those who went with him among the Zoramites to preach unto them the word. It is interesting that Alma left his eldest son in Zarahemla to keep the restless and jittery church united at home. The converts to the apostate doctrines of Korihor were barely back in the church, and Alma had learned from experience that the church could lose its unity and composure in just a few months. So Alma felt more secure in leaving Helaman in charge of the church while he was gone. Now Alma wants to tell us more about these rebellious Zoramites. Now the Zoramites were dissenters from the Nephites. Therefore, they had had the word of God preached unto them, but they had fallen into great errors, for they would not observe to keep the commandments of God and his statutes according to the law of Moses. Neither would they observe the performances of the church to continue in prayer and supplication to God daily, that they might not enter into temptation. Yea, in fine, they did pervert the ways of the Lord in very many instances. Therefore, for this cause, 
Alma and his brethren went into the land to preach the word unto them. When Alma and his fellow missionaries made their way into Antionum, where the Zonomites were building up a new kind of apostate kingdom, here is what they found. Now when they had come into the land, behold, to their astonishment, they found that the Zoramites had built synagogues, and that they did gather themselves together on one day of the week, which day they did call the day of the Lord. And they did worship after a manner which Alma and his brethren had never beheld. For they had a place built up in the center of their synagogue, a place for standing, which was high above the head, and the top thereof would only admit one person. Therefore whosoever desired to worship must go forth and stand upon the top thereof, and stretch forth his hands towards heaven, and cry with a loud voice, saying, Holy, holy God, we believe that thou art God, and we believe that thou art holy, and that thou wast a spirit, and that thou art a spirit, and that thou wilt be a spirit forever. Holy God, we believe that thou hast separated us from our brethren, and we do not believe in the tradition of our brethren, which was handed down to them by the childishness of their fathers. But we believe that thou hast elected us to be thy holy children, and also thou hast made it known unto us that there shall be no Christ, but thou art the same yesterday, today, and forever, and thou hast elected us that we shall be saved, whilst all around us are elected to be cast by thy wrath down to hell. For the which holiness, O God, we thank thee, and we also thank thee that thou hast elected us, that we may not be led away after the foolish traditions of our brethren, which doth bind them down to a belief of Christ, which doth lead their hearts to wander far from thee, our God. And again we thank thee, O God, that we are a chosen and a holy people. Amen. Alma and his brethren were shocked with what they saw and heard. Here was an apostate church quite different from the ones that either Nehor or Korihor had developed. Nevertheless, these people had all heard the gospel preached to them in the past and had been members of the church. Now they had developed a substitute religion with a political potential that could be extremely dangerous to the Nephites. Now it came to pass that after Alma and his brethren and his sons had heard these prayers, they were astonished beyond all measure. For behold, every man did go forth and offer up the same prayers. Now the place was called by them Ramiumptum, which being interpreted is the holy stand. Now from this stand they did offer up every man the selfsame prayer unto God, thanking their God that they were chosen of him, and that he did not lead them away after the tradition of their brethren, and that their hearts were not stolen away to believe in things to come, which they knew nothing about. Now after the people had all offered up thanks after this manner, they returned to their homes, never speaking of their God again, until they had assembled themselves together again to the holy stand, to offer up thanks after their manner. Now when Alma saw this, his heart was grieved, for he saw that they were a wicked and a perverse people. 
Yea, he saw that their hearts were set upon gold and upon silver and upon all manner of fine goods. Yea, and he also saw that their hearts were lifted up unto great boasting in their pride. It was obvious to Alma that he and his missionary companions were entering a contest with Satan and his hosts that they might lose. From the anguish of his heart he cried out. And he lifted up his voice to heaven and cried, saying, O how long, O Lord, wilt thou suffer that thy servants shall dwell here below in the flesh? To behold such gross wickedness among the children of men? Behold, O God, they cry unto thee, and yet their hearts are swallowed up in their pride. Behold, O God, they cry unto thee with their mouths, while they are puffed up even to greatness with the vain things of the world. Behold, O my God, their costly apparel, and their ringlets, and their bracelets, and their ornaments of gold, and all their precious things which they are ornamented with, and behold, their hearts are set upon them, and yet they cry unto thee, and say, We thank thee, O God, for we are a chosen people unto thee, while others shall perish. Yea, and they say that thou hast made it known unto them that there shall be no Christ. O Lord God, how long wilt thou suffer that such wickedness and iniquity shall be among this people? O Lord, wilt thou give me strength, that I may bear with mine infirmities? For I am infirm, and such wickedness among this people doth pain my soul. Alma was a sick man. He was severely wounded in the war with the Lamanites, and then he went through starvation and torture at the hands of the demons who were the rulers of Ammonihah. He enjoyed nearly two years of peace, but Korihor had created a certain amount of havoc among the members of the church in Zarahemla, which had been a great trial to Alma. Now he feels compelled to challenge the Zoramites, it was almost more than he could bear, and so he cried out to the Lord, O Lord, my heart is exceeding sorrowful. Wilt thou comfort my soul in Christ? O Lord, wilt thou grant unto me that I may have strength, that I may suffer with patience these afflictions which shall come upon me because of the iniquity of this people? O Lord, wilt thou comfort my soul and give unto me success and also my fellow laborers who are with me, yea, Ammon and Aaron and Omner, and also Amulek and Zezerim, and also my two sons. Yea, even all these wilt thou comfort, O Lord. Yea, wilt thou comfort their souls in Christ. Wilt thou grant unto them that they may have strength, that they may bear their afflictions which shall come upon them because of the iniquities of this people, it is apparent that Alma sensed that what they had found among the Zoramites was as discouraging to his fellow missionaries as it was to him. Therefore he prayed for them. O Lord, wilt thou grant unto us that we may have success in bringing them again unto thee in Christ? Finally Alma prays for the Zoramites. 
He wants the Lord to touch their hearts so they can be brought back into harmony with the teachings of the gospel and therefore brought back into the church. Behold, O Lord, their souls are precious, and many of them are our brethren. Therefore give unto us, O Lord, power and wisdom, that we may bring these, our brethren, again unto thee. Alma therefore prepared to send his brethren forth among the Zoramites. They each needed to be set apart and given a special blessing. So it says, Now it came to pass that when Alma had said these words, that he clapped his hands upon all them who were with him. And behold, as he clapped his hands upon them, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And after that they did separate themselves one from another taking no thought for themselves what they should eat, or what they should drink, or what they should put on. It is apparent that Alma was going forth with his companions among the hostile Zoramites without purse or script. Amazingly, the Zoramites displayed a degree of compassion on the missionaries. The missionaries felt the Lord had touched the hearts of these dissident people, just as Alma had prayed that he would. It says, and the Lord provided for them that they should hunger not, neither should they thirst. Yea, and he also gave them strength that they should suffer no manner of afflictions, save it were swallowed up in the joy of Christ. Now this was according to the prayer of Alma, and this because he prayed in faith. We hope you're enjoying this podcast by W. Cleon Skousen. To find additional books and recordings on this and other topics, please visit skousenlibrary.com.